begun this particular journey about who the Holy Spirit is, okay? We're beginning to recognize him because we want to be captivated and led by him. We realize that you can be led by him because the Holy Spirit is a person, is a him, is a person, not an it, okay? He, and he has a personality. Someone this morning said he has what? Mind, will, and emotions, right? Personality, that of a person, okay? And he dwells in whom? Does he dwell in an unbeliever? No. No, there's the difference, okay? That's why in unbelievers and people who haven't crossed the line and say, yep, Jesus did that for me. Because Jesus did it for everybody, remember? And he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to come to him, okay? But they say, you know, unless you realize that Jesus did that for my sin, you're still on this side. You're an unbeliever, okay? And so the believers here, you can't get mad at unbelievers because they're on a different playing field still, Right? They're on a different playing field. They don't hear. They don't have the mind of Christ. They don't hear. Now they hear the Holy Spirit going after them because they want him to, them to come to know Jesus personally and passionately and powerfully and then preeminently over their lives, okay? But, you know, that's how, you, that's how he works. He goes after us, okay? Because he's not a force. He's not an it. He's the person of the Holy Spirit, and that's key in understanding the relationship that we have with him. Okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And just because he's number three doesn't mean what? Right. He's any less, right? Okay, we're going to find that out today. Okay, and remember, we don't get more of the Holy Spirit. You're not seeking to get more of him here. He's seeking to get more of you. Okay? We need to give up ourselves. We need to decrease. And what does he do? He increases. He increases. See, that happens. That's, that's like fruit, okay? As you continue to decrease, he increases. That's not like you're trying. It's just that you're giving it over, right? And you're listening to him, and then he increases, and the brilliance happens. The Holy Spirit is not a substitute for God. He's not a substitute. Oh, he's like the third God. No, no, no. He is God. He is God. He's God in us, and he is God. He's not the substitute. In John 14, 16, once again it says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. We had this verse up last night. It's an extremely core portion of how, what we're studying. He'll give you another counselor. And the phrase another in this, in this verse, in this particular tense in the Greek, it's allos, A-L-L-O-S. If you really want to study the word of God, you need to get a Greek and Hebrew key study word Bible, okay? K. Arthur has the most amazing Hebrew key study word Bible. In other words, you don't have to know Hebrew and Greek. What she does is she takes out key words, and she says like this, this word in this verse is allos, meaning another of the same kind. So then when you read that, you go, oh, and I will ask the Father he'll give you another counselor. That doesn't mean it's some schmo down the road, counselor. It means I'm giving you another of the same kind. Okay? That's God himself. In other words, Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit would be just like him. Just like him. Okay? That Jesus is God. So the Holy Spirit is God. Over and over again, the Holy Spirit possesses attributes of God. The same way that Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. His qualities, his inherent characteristics, all God. 
all God. For example, Hebrews 9.14 says, the Holy Spirit is eternal. How much more than will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Now, what I want to point out here in this verse is the word eternal. It says the Holy Spirit, what, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, and then it brings in conscience at the end, but we're going to bring that up on Sunday, okay, on how the Holy Spirit speaks in and through our conscience. He is eternal. He is God eternal. Okay, Psalm 139.7 says this. Where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Which tells us that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. What does that mean? He's everywhere all the time, right? He's everywhere all the time. Isn't that a great thing? You guys, he's in me, he's in you, he's this. I mean, he's everywhere all the time. He's not us, right? And guess who can't be that? The evil one, the toothless lion, right? He can only be one place at one time. So you know what? Get out of here, right? He is not omnipresent. He can't be anywhere. Now, he has little minions, the third of the angels that uh, fell from heaven with him, kicked out of heaven. But guess what? They can't be everywhere at all times. The Holy Spirit is everywhere at all times, omnipresent. That's because he's God. And then he is omnipotent. What does that mean? All-powerful, all-powerful. Luke 135, the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. All-powerful, the power of the Most High. That's the Spirit, the power of the Most High. And who is this verse being spoken to? Mary, Mary, right? The power of the Most High will overshadow you, Mary. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Right? Wow, the Holy Spirit overshadowed. And the Holy Spirit does work that only God would do. Only God would do. Remember, he was involved in creation. The Spirit of God moved upon the waters. When you read Genesis, many times it says we, 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 we. You just jump over it. We is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all there at creation, having a gas, right? Speaking it into, right? Speaking it, it was so, oh my goodness, at creation, right? It was null, void, without any form, darkness. Bam, we spoke it into creation. There they all are. Oh yeah, it's creation. Once there's not, then there is, right? How amazing, right? He spoke the spirit of God moved upon the waters. Okay, then the Spirit of God is involved in regeneration. Big word, do you know what that means? It means your new birth. Regeneration, it means your new birth, okay? It's the new birth that you experience when you become a Christ follower, when you become a believer, when you become a Christian, when you become a saint, right? There's saints and saints in the world, right? And that's when you become a believer, right? That he is involved in regeneration. And this is what Jesus was teaching in John 3, 8, when he said that every Christian is, is born of the Spirit. Excellent. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Okay? 
That's who we are. This is what Jesus was teaching. When to receive Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit translates our spiritually dead state into a spiritually alive child of God. Right? Spiritually dead state, nothing that we could do about that. Nothing. You can try. You can go to church till you're blue in the face. You can give to Fort Wilderness until your money runs out. You can continue to do whatever you want. But nothing will regenerate you because there is nothing in you that is good that can regenerate you. Only Jesus dying on the cross for your sin and us accepting him. And then Holy Spirit is involved in that rebirth. And we go from that spiritually dead state to, boom, a spiritually alive child of God. Now, does that mean that you're never going to sin again? I am now a Christian, spiritually real. Woohoo, right? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Right? We will always have the Holy Spirit in us and our flesh until we see Jesus face to face, right? My mom moved to heaven six years ago now, okay? Guess what? No sin nature anymore. No sin. No tug of the flesh. No, not even, not, not even a tug, not a thought that's all gone. Right? But we're going to have our sin nature and the Holy Spirit. And I call them the good dog and the bad dog. You've been around me for a while. The good dog is the Holy Spirit and the bad dog is our flesh. And whichever dog you feed is what wins. You want to be in the Word. You want to be in uh, books like that. You want to regenerating, be being together in fellowship. You want to be making right choices. You, I'm telling you, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. You want to, oh, just this once isn't going to hurt. Oh, you know what? Just a skew a bit. Just a little sidelined a bit. Oh, just this one movie. You know what? You know what? It just has this one bad. Just, oh, ooh, 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 tweak, tweak, tweak. See, that's you, bad dog. And if you feed him enough, He's going to win. We're going to learn the Holy Spirit's never going to leave you. But he may not win in your life. Okay? So he's involved in regeneration. Okay? He said every, every Christian is born of the Spirit. Okay? And we enter into an eternal relationship with God. When did our eternal relationship start? When we moved to heaven? No. When does it start? When you accept Jesus. And the Holy Spirit takes residence in you. Okay? That's when your eternal uh, relationship started. Let's read 1 John 5, 11 through 13. Ready? And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life, so that you may know you have eternal life, okay? So that you may know you have eternal life, okay? We walk through with the Holy Spirit telling us, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, so that you may know that you have eternal life, okay? John 3, 3 says, what does he say? Unless you are what? Okay, one more time. Say this again. Unless, good. Okay, you may never get into the kingdom of God. Who said that? Jesus. He's talking to Nicodemus, 
right? Nicodemus, are you kidding me? Ruler of the Jews, good, moral, religious person. Man, he had a pedigree like you wouldn't believe. Are you kidding me? And Jesus goes, um, uh, but, uh, Nicodemus, um, you, 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 don't, um, you never get into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. What? I've tried all my life. I mean, look at me. Unless you know Jesus, unless you're born again, rebirth, the spirit who's involved in rebirth, you'll never, ever, ever see the kingdom of God here on earth or forever in eternity. It's accomplished, this rebirth is accomplished by the Holy Spirit who regenerates. This is a very important verse. Let's read this together. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by whom? Holy Spirit. Okay, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, because it says in Isaiah, guess what? All of our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. You know what filthy rags are? Menstrual rags. That's how filthy they are. That's what it meant in the Old Testament. They had rags. Filthy, as filthy as rags. But because of his mercy, mercy is not getting what we deserve. And we deserve death. And he gave us life through the Spirit. Life through the Spirit. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Plus, at the time that we receive Christ, ladies, the Holy Spirit places his seal on us. Okay? His seal. That's it. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. Right? You can walk out of here this weekend. You know Jesus. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. Right? That is an amazing. The seal indicates that we are children of God. Yep, 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 yep. There's my girls. Yep, 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 yep. There's my girls. Yep, they're there. We are sealed. We belong to him. We're already his children. We belong to him. And the Holy Spirit then, his job, okay, is to keep us eternally in God's protective custody. No better custody than that, right? God's protective custody. You're sealed. If you're a believer here today, you're sealed. You're in God's protective custody. I mean, you are secure from Satan. You are secure from sin. You are secure from judgment. Can I hear a hallelujah in that? Right? We are secure. We are sealed in the spirit. We walk with our heads up. We have the zeal, the Holy Spirit in us. We have his power. We have God in us. God in us. That's an amazing thing. God in us. His power. To walk uprightly. Sealed. You know, ladies, too many of us, too many of us think Satan's behind every bush. Thinks that you know, he's just ready to jump on in this list. Quite frankly, you know what it is? It's our flesh. It's our ugly flesh. Our ugly flesh is against us way more than Satan. You guys, it's a way that we excuse things. We go, you know, well, Satan made me do that. Or, you know, Satan, you know what that is? That's a cop-out. It's your flesh. It's your flesh that you have not given over to the Holy Spirit. It's the stuff that you will not let go. It's the stuff that you're putting on the balloons, which is great that you're letting go of. Because Satan isn't always in your ear, but your flesh is. Your ugly flesh. There's no good in flesh. And it's always there. And until you continue to let the Holy Spirit regenerate you, remake you, renew you, 
continue to make, it's a process until we see him face to face. You are always going to have that huge flesh stuff. Why do I do that? What am I doing? What am I doing? We are sealed. We are sealed. We are secure from Satan. We are secure from judgment. We are in God's protective custody. Ephesians 1.13 and then 4.30, read with me. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And then go on. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, so if you're having a bad day, okay, guess what? It doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven, right? You're sealed. You're sealed for the day of redemption. When our salvation is complete, when we see him face to face, you are sealed for that day. You walk in that power. It doesn't matter the circumstances that come along because you are a child of the king. You have God in you. Everything touches him before it touches you. Do you understand that? And he's taking you through this. You were marked in him with a seal. Written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Open that book up. Margot Fiesler. There she is. I'm the only one, I think, in the world. There might be a lot of Susie Jones, but there's probably only one Margot Fiesler. <laughs> there's not a lot of Fieslers. I'm like, Lord, what an incredible. And, and how are we living? Are we living for the day? Or are we living for today? Are we living for the day? Marked for the seal. The sealed, sealed for the day of redemption. See, the Holy Spirit is completely personal to us, and he's completely God. He is co-equal. He is co-eternal with the Father. Okay? He, the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Son is God, as the Father is God. He is God. He is distinct from God, but he is essentially one with God. That's why I don't like when people um, sh try to show some kind of a visual about the Holy Spirit. Like it's an egg. And the outside is this and the inside is this, but it's still an egg. No, you know, we can't put our mind around who God is that way. Okay? He is distinct from God, yet essentially one with God. Any of the studies of the Holy Spirit needs to be understood in that, that there is one God. One God, the oneness of God, not three, not two, but one God. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, the Lord our God is what? One Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. This is the way we must understand Jesus Christ too. God the Father, God the Son. Jesus is not a second God. Okay, he is the eternal God, uniquely present in a truly human life when he came here to walk on earth, okay? In Christ, we encounter God himself. That's how we encounter God himself. He came, we could never have touched God the Father unless Christ came, laid down his glory, stayed all God, became man for us without sin, and walked this earth to die for us. And then ascended, and sent the other counselor, another counselor. 
Okay? So what happens is, is that Jesus Christ is not a second God. Okay? In Christ, we encounter God himself. Jesus is not an emissary from God. He's God. Jesus is not God's secretary of state. Okay? He's not. No, Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, God is doing his speaking. God is doing his speaking. He is doing his own work. Jesus Christ is God. Okay? And the same thing is true of the Holy Spirit. Okay? He too must be understood that there is one God in the context of the oneness of God. The Holy Spirit isn't a third God. Okay? He's not one-third of God, okay? The Holy Spirit is God himself in nearness, in power, anywhere, anytime. He is not one-third. This means, and listen closely, ladies, okay? This means that the very divine presence incarnated in Jesus Christ, now present in his people, right? Right? I can't say that enough. He's in you and me. We have no excuse anymore as a believer. He's in you and me. And I think Adrian Rogers, who now moved to heaven, great, great Christian pastor, said it the best when he described the Holy Spirit as Christ in the Christian. Very easily. Christ in the Christian. And I want us to try to understand that for a moment, okay, how wonderful this is. I mean, this is, wonderful is like too little of a word for that, okay, because this precious gift, the Holy Spirit, allows us the advantage over when Jesus was walking on earth. Remember we talked about last night? We have the advantage. Right here, you and I, remember, are actually better off because we have God in us, the Holy Spirit in us, than when the disciples, the followers of Jesus, walked with him on earth. And why is this so? Thanks to the Holy Spirit, God isn't just with us anymore, right? He is with us. In us. He is within us, okay? In the Old Testament, God's Spirit came upon His people, okay? Read this with me, Judges 14 6. Go ahead. Now, who is that? Samson. Excellent. You guys remember Samson? Okay, Samson, okay? The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, okay, in power, and he tore a what? A lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Now, I find this amusing. The fact that he could even tear a young goat apart. I'm like, really, Lord? I mean, you know, the guy was just a behemoth, right? I mean, he was like Kristen Kerwin's husband. I'm telling you. I mean, the guy just, you know, or, or Karen McCuddens. I mean, these guys, okay. Samson was amazing. But when the Holy Spirit power came upon him, he ripped a lion apart like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. See, in the Old Testament, the Spirit was present in people's lives sporadically. Okay? The Spirit was never in anyone yet. The Spirit was in, I'm sorry, was with people and came upon people sporadically. Only prophets, priests, and kings. And only for God's special purpose in God's special time. 
So the Holy Spirit, when you read through the Old Testament, you'll say, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And the Holy Spirit this, and, and the Spirit did this, okay? Because the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would go at God's bidding to do God's will. That's what he does, okay? And so God's Spirit did not dwell in the hearts of man in the Old Testament, okay? But like Samson's uh, example here, he came upon him to do the will of God at that time, all right? Then during Jesus' ministry in the New Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit was said to have dwelled with the disciples in the person of Christ. Are you following me? Dwelled with the disciples in the person of Christ. Once again, back to John 14, 16. Read this with me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he was limited. He was absolutely limited to the physical body in which he was born that first Christmas night. He was limited to the physical body. Now, don't get me wrong. Okay, this was an amazing descent for God to do. I mean, amazing descent for him to do, okay? But, but even so, as a man, Jesus as a man could only be what? One place at one time, until after the resurrection, right, with his resurrected body, then he'd be like, a peer, hello, how are you? Boop, peer, hello, how are you? Can't you hardly wait to your resurrected bodies? Woo, oh yeah, baby, oh yeah. Boy, I'll be eating guacamole all the time, it won't do a thing to me. Guacamole's good, Kristen, right? Thank you, absolutely. Avocado, good fat, good fat, excellent. All right, so look at, let's look at this. Matthew 28, 20, read that please for me, and... Okay, start again. And? There you go. Holy Spirit, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the earth, the end of the age. Okay? And through the gift of the Holy Spirit in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, okay, God fulfilled his promise through Ezekiel, and he said this, what? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So you see, Jesus isn't just near us, okay, like with the disciples, like we shared last night. He's just not near us, okay, as they walk side by side in the Sea of Galilee, okay. Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, Holy Spirit, is in us, all right? I'm going to continue to tell you this, ladies, because this is life-changing for you when you realize the power that you have in him. Now, let's imagine if Jesus, Jesus, as the man Christ, okay, was in Jerusalem right now, and you got to call, Jesus is here. Whoa! Are you kidding? All the airplanes would be trying to make everything go into Israel, okay? All the cruise ships would be booked crazily, because everybody wants to go see Jesus, okay? I mean, everybody would be changing. You know, you've got to get to the Middle East. You wouldn't be able to book a seat on a plane. Everybody would be all abuzz. Jesus is in Jerusalem, okay? Trains would sell out. Everything would be going to Jerusalem. We'd come to see Jesus. You'd get there. Even if you got there, it'd be nearly impossible to talk to him. It, you couldn't touch him. You'd be way far away, okay? Imagine if Jesus right now was in Jerusalem, okay? Here's the difference. That would be excitement. That would be amazing, but because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
He is here right now. Okay? He is in us, in every believer. He is here right now. Always. He will never leave us until the end of the age because then we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore because we'll be with him. Okay? We'll be with him. We'll be like him. So he is with us. Why don't we have that same type of excitement as if Jesus landed in Jerusalem right now? He's in us. Why don't we have that same kind of excitement? Because God, the Holy Spirit, is in me. You know, when I was growing up, uh, and I'd hear about the Holy Spirit, they'd always call him the Holy The Holy Ghost. <laughs> Are you serious? I don't want any ghosts living in me. <laughs> I mean, whoa, Holy Ghost? I mean, but here again, this is the, the language difference, okay? This is the, we go ghost. As a little kid, if you're old as me, you remember Casper, okay? All right, if you don't, you're too young. <laughs> All right, he was supposedly the friendly ghost. I don't know about you, but he spooked me out, okay? And then, and then they talk about the Holy Ghost, and they would say it like that, the Holy Ghost. You're like, ah, right? I don't want any part of that, whatever it is, Right? I mean, that's how a lot of us grew up. That's why we have misconceptions. That's why we can't recognize him. That's why we don't realize he is God in us. He was in our new birth, and he continues to be in us. And what happens is Holy Ghost means guest. It means guest. In our Anglo-Saxon um, word, it's from where we get the word guest. Okay? So what it means is it reminds us that the Holy Ghost is an ever-present guest in the lives of us, okay? An ever-present guest in the lives of us, okay? Because guess what? We needed to invite him in. That's why he's a holy guest, ghost. We need to invite him in. If you don't, see, when you, please go around and read these whiteboards on the Holy Spirit, because one of them says that the Holy Spirit, that that you will always have your free will. Always. God made you with a free will. Otherwise, you'd be a robot. Okay, he made you with a free will. We always will have the motivation to choose wrong. That will never be gone. That's the flesh. Okay, but that's why you have to invite him in as he is going after you. You need to invite him in. You need to cross over from death to life, and then regeneration happens. He's your holy guest that you invite in. He comes to live inside of us the moment we accept Jesus as our Savior. And the very presence of the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance, right? Guarantees our inheritance, which awaits us in heaven, right? Have you ever been thinking about heaven? Oh, my goodness, please. Like David was sharing, think about that. That's our inheritance is heaven. God indwelling us by the Holy Spirit giving us a promise in the form of a down payment. That's the Holy Spirit. In the form of a down payment that our inheritance is real, our inheritance is waiting. Right? We got the down payment. We got the engagement ring. Yep. Right right here. <coughs> I'm promised. That's it. Just like if you have a down payment for your home and it goes through and it's closed and this is, then it guarantees, guess what? That's your home. Nobody can come and get your home. This is a way, way better guarantee. He's the down payment. He assures us that.
that heaven is awaiting for me. Heaven is awaiting for you if you're a believer. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.5. Read with me. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has what? Given us his Holy Spirit. Okay, now, isn't that remarkable? Don't you think that's remarkable? I mean, no matter where you are, if you're a believer, no matter where you are, God is there with you, in you, sealed, forever, keeping you, assured, until you see him face to face. Not only that, he's at the ready. He's ready to help. Not only that, you never wake him up. You never wake him up. Last night when people were snoring, he was already awake. Okay? You just had to turn to him. Okay? I'm telling you, he, you never wake him up. He is never interrupted when you need assistance. Huh? What? Hmm? Never. He's always at the ready. He's never surprised. He knows every thought before you know. Morning, noon, night, sleeping, awake, he's inside you. Available to be your power. It's if you want to access him. He's always there. It's if you want to listen to him. It's if you want to access him. It's if you want him to be God of your life. That's the decision you make. He knows what you need right now. He knows if you're a follower of Jesus right now. And if you're not, then he draws you. Then he draws you. Who doesn't want to live with a life like that? Power at your disposal? Power at your disposal. Thanks to the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's who he is. We will never, ever, ever have our divine teacher leave us. He's always teaching us. He's always bringing us to him. He goes with us everywhere we go. No matter where you are, he's there because he's in you. He faces every experience that you face. He confronts every de decision that you confront. What decisions are awaiting you right now? He confronts them for you if you let him. If you let him. And he shows you the way to go. That's the captivated life. That's the captivated life. Emerson said, what lies behind you, what lies before us, are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. And 1 John 4, 4 says, read with me, greater is he that is in you, who is in you, I should say, than he who is in the world. Read that again with me. Don't you rejoice in that verse? Don't you just rejoice in that verse? I'm telling you, many times I'm like, greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. So you know what? I'm good. I'm just good. You know what? It doesn't matter what's coming because I just know that I know that God allows everything in my life for my good and for his glory. And he's in me. And so you know what? He wants, he wants, to, he wants me to win. He wants this. He, he isn't. He doesn't wait for you to fail and to go, zap, you got the flu. What's happening to you? He, that's not who he is. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to listen. And I'm going to ask you, what lies behind you? Okay, I know what lies behind me. Oh, my yuck. Oh, my yuck. Oh, my sin. But guess what? I'm forgiven. I'm absolutely forgiven. What lies before you? What lies before you? Your future? But how you finish your life, how, what, how you go over the finish line determines who is in you? That's determined by who is in you. How are you going to finish? And who lies in you? The Holy Spirit lies within you. You are guaranteed a continual guide. 
guaranteed an eternity with the king of kings. That is an absolute guarantee. So hallelujah, God isn't just with us. He is absolutely in us. And therefore, we have instant access, instant access to all the power we need to do his work. That's it. We have all the power we need to do his work. Jesus promised that when the Holy Spirit,